So welcome to A Correction Podcast. I'm your host, Lev Moscow. And today, we are happy to be joined once again by Bruno Capertini, who is the SNF Ambizone Fellow at the Department of Economics at the University of Zurich. Welcome back to the show, Bruno. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. Me too. I'm happy you're here. Today, we're going to talk about a paper that you, you co-wrote with uh, two other colleagues about the persistent electoral benefits of redistribution. The, f- the paper focuses on the 1950 Italian land reform. Obviously, following World War II, the Christian Democratic Party was in power, and um, they carried out the, the largest land reform in Italian history. So let's pick it up there. What, what does Italy look like in 1950? And um, tell us what you can about the nature of the, both the Christian Democratic Party and this, this policy of land reform in 1950? Well, so Italy in 1950, a lot like uh, um, agrarian economies uh, that we would find today in, uh, in sub-Saharan Africa, for instance. So it's a very backward country where most of the people is uh, working uh, on, the, on the fields, on the land. And it's also a very unequal country where most of the land is owned by very few uh, large landowners. So in this uh, situation, the countryside was becoming a uh, fertile ground for communist propaganda. And the Christian Democratic Party, which was uh, in power at the time, was very worried that a wave of uh, protest in the countryside led by the communists may actually propel the communists to, uh, to the government. And you have to uh, remember that at that time, being communist is not just uh, any left-wing party. It's, uh, it's, um, it's very connected to the uh, Soviet, Soviet Union. And so uh, both the Italian government and also uh, the American government wanted to avoid uh, this type of uh, left turn of, uh, of Italy. So what they did was to uh, redistribute some land so that the rural workers would be appeased and would, uh, would avoid going too close to the Communist Party. And so can you talk a little bit about the speed at which they do this reform? I, I understand from your work that they want to get this done as quickly as possible. Yeah. So how do they identify what what property to redistribute or who loses in the situation and who gains? Well, so the, the way in which you work is that they, uh, they realized that they had to do something. And so they started plan for this, uh, plan, uh, for this land reform. However, the moment in which they deposited the first proposal, which was uh, um, a land reform that would have affected the entire country, they realized that there was something that would have taken years to discuss in parliament. And so their plan B was to say, uh, to take back this proposal and uh, present to the parliament a smaller uh, bill, which uh, uh, would uh, implement the land reform, but not on the entire country, but only on uh, selected areas where the situation was uh, especially uh, serious. And so the way uh, in which they, they did this was to, uh, to take what information they had about the, uh, land distribution in Italy and select these nine areas across the country that they say needed land reform quickly. Now, because this was not the complete reform, they also had an excuse to rush this bill through the, through the parliament. And so they managed actually to discuss the bill in two weeks during the summer in the lower chamber and then two months uh, in the upper chamber in the Senate. And so they approved uh, this, uh, this, uh, this land reform. 
And what was key in all this process is that the uh, Christian Democratic Party managed to uh, keep uh, the exact definition of the reform borders out of the actual bill. And, and, and instead, it delegated the definition of the border uh, to the government, which was uh, then free to select uh, which, uh, which town they wanted within some broad uh, guidelines that were defined by, by the law. And so the moment in which the uh, government met, uh, a couple of months after the final approval of the law, it was able to uh, decide quite freely which, which towns uh, would be included in the land reform and would redistribute land and which towns instead had to be kept outside. I imagine um, there's probably a lot of resistance from the big landowners, but um, it, makes the, it makes it difficult if the landowners don't know which land exactly is going to be expropriated, right? That's that's right, and um, and this is what uh, what makes the, the on one side what makes the the whole episode interesting, and on the other side what uh, allowed us to um, design a, an empirical strategy that allowed uh, allowed us to identify the effect of this reform. So the uh, landowners were uh, very very uh, concerned about this uh, this reform, and what was important is that uh, there was a very strong lobby of landowners owning land in the South, which was uh, very close to the Christian Democratic Party. And so the moment in which the uh, land reform was discussed and then the government started to decide uh, where to redistribute land, this lobby uh, successfully uh, managed to uh, convince the government to modify the initial uh, borders of the reform in, uh, in the southern part of Italy. And so what we find in the, in the paper, both with the historical records and with some statistical tests, is that in the South, the government actually manipulated the border. It proposed a, a border at the beginning of the law, and then what actually implemented in the actual reform was actually very different. And so because there is this manipulation, we think that the, uh, comparing the effect of the reform in towns close to the border in the South, it's not uh, going to give us... Uh, an interesting estimate of the effect of the reform because uh, these towns were selected in, uh, were manipulated by, by the government. What was interesting in all this, uh, this process is that in the North, we don't find this type of manipulation, which means that uh, in the North, we can compare towns uh, close to the border. I should tell you a little bit more about how we identify the effect of the re reform empirically. Okay. So the, the way in which the, the reform was uh, designed was that only towns inside the specific area had to expropriate the land of large landowner and redistribute. And so basically our empirical approach is to take these areas and take only the towns that are close to the border of this area. And then we compare the outcome of, the, of these towns close to the border with the outcomes of towns that are also close to the border, but they were not included in the, in the reform area. So this is the general approach we take. For this approach to be valid, we need that the reform border is designed in a, in a, in a way that it's, uh, it's, uh, it's somewhat random. And so we need that the reform border that separates towns that are treated by the reform from towns that are not treated, it needs to be, um, does not need uh, to be manipulated by the government. So what we, what we found is that 
In the South, there is evidence of manipulation, and this is the reason why, in the end, we don't focus on the South, because uh, uh, manipulation is, uh, is invalidating the empirical approach. Is, is this clear, or is it too technical? No, it's, it's pretty clear, but I guess the question, I don't really understand the difference between manipulation and, and non-manipulation, because isn't everything going to be manipulated by the government to a certain extent? Like, aren't the borders themselves a form of manipulation and choosing what gets, what gets divided well, and redistributed and what doesn't? That's a, that's a good point. But so the, what we found is that they basically they based the final reform on some uh, proposed areas, which were designed by technical uh, assistants, technical clerks. And they designed these uh, borders by looking at geography and, and some, very, um, some very basic uh, characteristics of this town. So we take these technical borders to be not manipulated, and we observe that in the south, the politicians actually change a lot of these borders. That's why we talk about my, uh, political manipulation. Does, Can I does, just ask, you know, um, and this would now re require some context into it, Italian history that I don't know, what, what is it about the southern land owners that give them so much more ability to manipulate those those borders the southern land landowners were extremely close to the christian democratic party and many of them were actually a member of parliaments for the christian democrats and so that's what uh, gave them so much uh, access to the ministry of agriculture which was uh, the one responsible for designing these uh, these borders in the in the north, uh, the landowners did not have this type of uh, access to the Christian democratic politicians, which is the reason why we think uh, we observe much less uh, manipulation in the north. What is the economic impact of this land redistribution? So the, the economic impact. Uh, so to be entirely honest, this is how we started this whole project because we thought it would be super interesting to uh, learn what this uh, reform did to the Italian uh, economy. And sadly, the answer is very little. So we, uh, we actually invested quite a bit of uh, time and resources. But what we find is that the, there is not much of an effect that we can detect on uh, agricultural productivity, on uh, income, or on, uh, on wealth. So for all these variables, unfortunately, we don't have very uh, precise uh, measures, especially in the years after the reform. And so, for instance, for income, we only observe it in 1980, and uh, wealth, we can proxy it with uh, home ownership, which is a common form of wealth accumulation in, uh, in Italy. For all these measures, however imperfect, we find uh, no significant impact of the reform which we read as, a, as evidence that if the reform had some effect on uh, uh, real outcomes on the, on the economy, these effects were too small to be detected by this, uh, by this variable. So we cannot exclude that there was a small effect in terms of uh, agricultural productivity, but the effect was too small to then uh, reverberate in, in income or, uh, or wealth. Uh, we also looked at the uh, economic composition of these uh, towns, both before and after the reform, and we don't find, for instance, that they become more or less agricultural, or um, that the industrial composition of firms and sectors uh, is uh, significantly different at the border after the, the reform. And so we conclude that the, the reform did not have much of an effect in terms of the uh, economic outcomes.
that's interesting in, in of itself, right? Big surprise. It's a, yeah. Um, but as, as you will know, as you will know, it's, it's hard to sell at zero effect. So this <laughs> this is still in the paper, but uh, yeah. I, unfortunately, we, we we decided not to write a paper on uh, on, on zero effect. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand why. Yeah, I can understand. But it does have a big impact on the fortunes of the uh, the Christian Democratic Party, right? So um, tell us about what you. So found. then the. The core of the paper is to show the effect of this uh, large redistribution program on the uh, vote share of the Christian Democratic Party in every election, every national election uh, between uh, World War II and, uh, and 1992. And what we find is that uh, before the, the reform, there is uh, basically no difference in uh, voting pattern uh, between uh, towns that redistributed land and towns that did not. However, starting from the first election after land redistribution, we observed a discrete jump in the support for the Christian Democratic Party. So towns that redistributed uh, land started to vote uh, for the Christian Democratic Party four percentage points more. And so this is from a baseline of 40%. So it's a, it's, a, it's a very large jump in the support for the Christian Democratic Party. So this is the first result we find in the election right after the reform, the Christian Democratic Party gains four percentage points. Now, the thing that we think it's extremely interesting is that this advantage persists unaffected for over 40 years. So if we look at treated and controlled towns, in 1992, we still find that treated towns vote four percentage points more for the Christian Democratic Party than uh, similar towns on the other side of the reform. And so to us, this is a very novel uh, result because it shows that a single policy that it, it, was, uh, it was implemented uh, just once can have uh, an effect that can last for over 40, uh, 40 years. And uh, looking at the literature on the voting impact of uh, public policy, we couldn't find anything that, uh, that looked like, uh, like this. So we thought it was a very, a very novel uh, result. It's incredible. I'm looking at your map. It's the, you know, the, center, the center north of Italy and a lot of the land redistribution seems to, and you can tell me if I'm misreading the map, but it, it seems to be taking place in what I think of as sort of the red belt of Italy in, in Tuscany and Emilia. So I'm wondering if um, it's red because it's, you know, it's left. I'm wondering if, um, if you found a big shift from you know, the, the Communist Party supporters in these towns to the Christian Democrats? So the, the interesting result is that the advantage, so the gains of the Christian Democratic Party uh, look almost one-to-one -one like the losses of the Communist Party. So we find that in treated towns, uh, the Communist Party loses around 3.5% uh, of, the, of the vote share. And again, this effect is very uh, persistent and very stable over this uh, uh, these 40 years. So uh, basically the gains of the Christian Democrats are uh, almost entirely at the expense of the, the Communist Party. This result, um, once we started to look into the uh, historical documents, did not seem so uh, weird because uh, when we looked at the historical record of the how the land redistribution happened, we found uh, very interesting documents uh, that told us how much the whole process was politicized and how much it was designed to take out the communist vote 
and uh, win them to the Christian Democratic Party. For instance, we um, looked at the original applications of uh, some uh, rural workers they wanted to obtain land. And we found that whoever reviewed this application, they flagged the political sympathies of these applicants. And for instance, we found that uh, people that were too close to the, uh, to the Communist Party would be flagged as red, and it would be the, they would be denied the, the land. And so the negative effect of the, uh, on the Communists, we think it's, uh, it's striking, but it's reasonable given the context and given what we learned from the historical record. So the Italian Communist Party is the second largest party in Italy in 5051? Absolutely, yes. Okay. So um, what's interesting is they, they must know that this land reform will hurt them. They probably don't know it's going to hurt them for the next 50 years, but they know it's going to hurt them at least immediately. But I wonder where that positions them on this on this issue, because obviously the communists would be in favor of land reform in normal times. Were they also supportive of this policy? No, absolutely. They, they understood completely that this was... Uh, was a policy that was designed to to take uh, take out uh, communist votes and uh, win them to the Christian Democrats. So the thing they uh, claimed was that this reform was um, uh, was too piecemeal to solve any of the uh, problems uh, of uh, of Italy. And actually, what they proposed was a reform of the rural contracts. So the, their argument was that there was just not enough land to redistribute and to give to a uh, to all the rural workers that uh, wanted to, to obtain a piece of land was to create some new rural contracts that would increase the bargaining power of rural workers. So the, in, the, in this context, because they uh, realized that the land reform would not uh, favor them, they tried to come up with a, a different policy that would still uh, uh, support uh, rural workers. But of course, the, the, the parliament at the time was uh, almost entirely, uh, so it was uh, the, the majority in the parliament was the Christian Democrats, which were able to push the reform through. Right, and I guess the landowners can't, um, there's no one to the right of the Christian Democrats at this point, because obviously you, you just destroyed the fascist party. So am I right to assume that the Christian Democrats are as, I mean, I guess there's a right-wing fashion of the Christian Democratic Party, but are as far right as you have in Italy at that moment? Well, so, um, Oh, you're almost right. There were uh, a very small minority, uh, which uh, was... Um, so actually, there were two parties that were putting the, um, the instances of the uh, landowners to the parliament, but they were very small. One was the monarchic party, and the other one was uh, a populist party, uh, which counted uh, only a handful of, uh, of, uh, of members of parliaments. Both of these parties uh, joined forces with the Communist Party to oppose this reform, but the, the Christian Democrat had the majority, so it didn't matter. I mean, I'm just thinking aloud here, but I just finished this wonderful book um, by Vincent Bevins called The Jakarta Method. I don't know if you have read the book. No, I haven't, but I um, can sign it. It's fantastic. And it's, it's actually about the coup in Indonesia in the 60s and then right after um, in Brazil in the mid-60s. And this method that, that the CIA and the U.S. government developed first in Jakarta and then export to about a dozen other countries to topple governments and, and get the kind of policies that, that's friendly to U.S. business. What's so interesting to me about your, after reading this book, about your, your paper, is that it seems as though the U.S. in this case was for land reform. 
Um, but in other countries, the United States was very much against land reform and in fact helped topple governments that proposed, you know, even mild land reform um, in Central America uh, and of course in, in South America. So I'm wondering what, what was the calculation here? Why was it that the United States and a conservative government was willing to do this in the face of the agricultural powers in Italy and not in other countries. And I don't know if this is something that you've, that you've explored at all, but I'm wondering if you have any sense why, why they're willing to do something which seems so out of character in the case of, of Italy. Well, so I, I actually, uh, this is not the first time that someone asks uh, this question. The, the thing I learned is that the United States was uh, relatively happy to support uh, land redistribution when this was... Uh, proposed by a right-wing party. So I'm thinking especially to the experience uh, of uh, Chile, which uh, before the uh, land reform of Allende, actually uh, the uh, previous government of uh, Frey, which was right-wing, actually had started uh, a land reform. And that land reform, uh, from my understanding, is that the United States uh, supported. And so my sense is that the, the general policy of the United States at the time was to promote with whatever means they had the right-wing party uh, of uh, Western countries as, as long as they uh, avoided a left turn and uh, as long as these policies helped them uh, uh, contain the, the rise of communism. But of course, this is not my area of expertise and I'm just, uh, again, I'm thinking aloud. Thank you for thinking aloud. I always appreciate it when, get, when guests are willing to think aloud and I appreciate that, Bruno. Um, this really will be the last question. I, I'm wondering whether or not somebody like, you know, Biden or, or, or Draghi would pay attention to your paper and, and learn some valuable lessons from it, mainly that you can go, you can go pretty big and um, people will, well, they'll reward you with their votes for many years. Um, would you say that that's a, a fair takeaway for politicians today or that it really depends on, on, on historical specificity? Well, so uh, it's, uh, it's funny because we, we were contacted by an Italian politician uh, a few weeks ago, which wanted to discuss uh, the implication of uh, <laughs> our, our paper. <laughs> for uh, Actually, it, it, was, uh, it was interesting about the one measure that uh, is a basic income, is a form of basic income policy that was uh, implemented by the Five Star Movements uh, a couple of years ago. But um, I think that the important lessons uh, that we uh, learned from, uh, from our paper is that this type of persistence does not emerge without some uh, additional uh, policy. So the, the thing that we found in the paper is that the reason why uh, this, uh, this reform had uh, 40 years of persistence is, be is because the Christian Democratic Party kept on investing politically in, the, in these towns. And he, he found it convenient because this town started to support it. And so I think that the, the lesson to, to, to learn is that sometimes one policy can uh, create an entire system of political exchange in which uh, the voters start to uh, vote for a party and then the party finds it convenient to keep on transferring resources to the same uh, constituency. And so I think this is a, this is a deep insight that with, I think it's... A, it's more general than just this specific uh, episode.